Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great Monday everybody. Great to be with you for the State Miami Week and we get started. I'm Jeff, that's Tom, Director Matthew in the house on Twitter, attached at Cameron Show. Florida State with an easy win. Uh, I said I think 38-13. I think you said 41. I think we were pretty close to getting the score right. 42 to 10. Yeah, yeah, between the two of us. I was yelling for them to go for two at the end. (laughs) Uh, Weird game, weird place Florida State finds themselves in, I think. Uh, Some of that is a really good sign. My initial watch, I've seen the game three times now. My initial watch live, um, I was really frustrated with the way Florida State came out in that you hoped coming off of a bye week you'd get some things that have been issues cleaned up. You'd have these things that have really kind of plagued you uh, from taking the next step and from growing. You'd have that cleaned up, and they weren't cleaned up. They weren't buttoned up. I think it's a big-picture look. They weren't buttoned up. And so those things still continue to frustrate. I will conf- I will confess, the, the only way that you can be disappointed with a win of this magnitude, meaning going away, wasn't competitive, all that, is if you expect more from the team. But I do. I'm on that side of the ledger. So I, I've already said, I said this weeks ago, even during the three-game losing streak, that they've taken enough strides for me to expect more now. And that's why you get frustrated when you give a game away like you did against NC State because you can't win situations. So what I wanted to see was them graduate from those situations and become more consistent so that you could win more of these games and play up to your ability. They still got holes on the roster. There's still a lot of areas I'm very concerned about that won't get better until they get better players. The secondary kind of sucks in general, and it's not going to get that much better until they get better players. But I, I think that, for, for me, I, that initial blush is accurate, but it's also to say on balance that when you are a dominant, when you are a much more dominant team in Georgia Tech's players compared to Florida State's players, it's really not close. I think you could see Florida State has taken a big step forward in that regard. Georgia Tech, I said, was on quit watch coming into the game. I said to you on the pregame show, and I said at the end of last week, I think Georgia Tech, we may be getting Georgia Tech at just the right time, that they were on quit watch. Partly you've got an injured quarterback. You lost the game where you played just pathetically against Virginia, meaning Georgia Tech had whatever luster, whatever boost, whatever infused hope you had with the changes, the coach and the interim coach. You know, when you lose a game like that, what are you really playing for? There's change amongst you. You don't have – there's nothing to hang your hat on. You can't go back to last year the year before and say, oh, well, things are getting better. They're not getting better. Things aren't getting better. You're going – there's an influx of change forthcoming. So when they lost, I thought, man, coming down here at a nooner with a backup quarterback against a Florida State team coming off a bye that needs a win – This is going to add up to a lopsided game. Thus, we picked Florida State to win in a lopsided fashion. They did. That's the good news. That is the good news, that Florida State twice this year, we thought, would pulverize an opponent that was in a bad spot, that didn't have great personnel, that was up against it, wrong time, wrong place, wrong team. When you play, people matters. And the other time, it was Boston College. And Boston College came in here with a competent quarterback and a competent defense, and they took that ass beating. Overwhelmed, they got avalanched early, and it was over. Georgia Tech came in here with a backup quarterback, an interim coach, not a lot to play for, a Florida State team coming off a bye that needs a win, needs to get right, needs to get focused for these five games. And they got beat down, as you thought they would. But, you know, the devil is in the details. 
And they did so many things wrong, even on plays that succeeded. And I think that's where the conflicting descriptors of this football game lie. It depends on where you are approaching the game from. Are you approaching it from, hey, Florida State doesn't frequently beat people's ass? They just don't. They haven't in a long time. In that case, you'll never look a gift horse in the, in the mouth. You'll say, I'll take a lopsided win. I don't care how it happens. And it's a rocking chair game. So I feel good about that, and it shows we're better than we were a year ago. Okay. okay. If you are trying to get a real sense of where we are at and where we can go with this coaching staff, with this roster, with this season, these five games, then you're maybe a little bit more hypercritical of how you arrived at the result that you wanted. Especially because I don't think that Georgia Tech team had a pulse. <laughs> they didn't have a pulse. They started the wrong guy at quarterback in retrospect, clearly. Yeah, the young kid can play a little bit. I mean, the young kid's yeah. got a little something to him. And this game was over at halftime, so I almost just throw the baby out with the bathwater for the second half, both the good and the bad. I, I, I won't hold us completely accountable for some of the holes in the secondary of a lopsided game in the second half, just like, you know, I don't, I don't really concern myself with uh, anything that happened to the half. That kid that came in, sure, he played pretty well, but, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how hard we were playing. It's, it's, it's a weird game because I can see making a passionate argument uh, for being pretty upset with the way they played, with the lack of attention to detail off of a bye, and the inability to execute in key situations yet again in the red zone, which has plagued us all season long. And I can also see passionately arguing the other way that when you have as many yards per play and out, out gain and outscore your opponent the way Florida State did, how are you going to be angry? And I think it's funny because a, a cursory glance of my inbox and Twitter feed and texts and message boards on War Chant seem to suggest as much. It's kind of like, whoa, 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 everybody, settle down. You're, you're that angry about a game in which you win, you know, 41-16? to 16? And then the other parts are like, wait a minute, man, this is about holding people accountable. This is about getting better. This is about playing to the best of your ability. This is about being put in a position to succeed. This is about vanquishing your problems and figuring out things along the way during the course of a season where we can raise the bar. This is about all those things. And I think to that end, it's a kind of a weird game because I think you can make an argument both ways. All I know is, yes, admittedly, most people, and to some degree I'm this way today, this is the downside of you know Monday afternoon doing a show of Miami week because the Georgia Tech game is not a lot to talk about. Miami game is always a lot to talk about. So you're kind of like, well, am I going to belabor this point? Am I going to spend hours today arguing about the finer uh, elements and, and details of an offense that really kind of spit the bit at times? Or do I move on? Yeah, I mean, watching this group on Saturday, I don't know that I learned anything new. Because the substance between the 20s has been good this season. The situations have not. And this game provided you more evidence that they need to do work in situations. So I don't know that I learned anything new. What I do know is if you start the game on Saturday at Miami the way you played the first quarter of this game, you're going to be losing at the end of the first quarter. And you could be losing at halftime. So that's got to get cleaned up. That's where I would take the Tech game and move it forward and project it forward. You have to be a lot cleaner in the first half on the road at Miami. I think so. You Because you could – so to your point, Tom, sorry, I, I'm going to jump in here because I think this is the next talking point. It, Miami reminds me a lot right now of kind of the awkward – I know the situations are slightly different just in terms of year and, and all of that, but – 
Miami is reeling in a lot of ways, and they remind me of us when Willie basically got canned against Miami. When he got fired because of the way uh, that they played against Miami. Here, remember that. We walked out of that stadium, and I'm like, Willie's done. It is over. They have nothing to hang their hat on. Now, the only difference is they're in year one with their coach. You're not walking away from Cristobal, and he's getting some recruits and all of that. And they've got some injuries to fall back on and all of that. It's year one. But they are asking to have their ass beat. Miami wants you to come in and put the dagger through them. They are ready to lay down. This season has been a failure. They don't have a lot of hope to fall back on. That offensive line's not good. Their passing game is in shambles. They don't play with any degree of passion whatsoever. They just got done playing a game against Virginia where nobody cared to be there, and that includes Virginia. The whole thing was embarrassing. They want you to walk in there and kick their teeth down their throat and put them out of their misery. They want to boo those players. The 700 Miami fans that show up want to boo those players. They can't wait. If you go down there and take care of business and you pay attention to details, you dot the I, you cross the T's, and you're not so prone to mistakes of execution, especially in the red zone or getting lined up and wasting timeouts and doing dumbass things that we do on the regular in situational football. If you don't do those things, if you go down there and you're buttoned up and you're locked in, you're going to boat race Miami. You're going to boat race Miami. If you do what you did against Georgia Tech and blow opportunities early and give that team any reason to believe whatsoever in a rivalry game, then that you deserve what you get, which will be a war, a four-quarter game, with all of us sitting around thinking about what should have been had we not fumbled on the one, had we not gotten cute inside the 15, had we not all that stuff. And you could just see it. This sometimes that visual is a little bit clearer than others. And this one feels like it's pretty easy to diagnose. Go down, business-like, buttoned up, intense, focused. Certainly not sloppy, and take care of business. Miami, Miami's ready to lose. In that sense, the Tech game is good. You know, it's good for you for this week of practice, right? Because of the way you can motivate off of that film. Guys are happy because they're coming off of a win, but you make so oh, many process, yeah. so many process errors. Even on defense, there were some blown coverages that we're not taking advantage of. So every phase has something to improve on big time this week. So it's a coach's dream in a sense. It is, and coaches love it. All coaches do. Every coach I've ever talked to or been around certainly loves all that stuff. They have an opportunity to be able to say, see what you did here. Here's what you didn't do here. Hey, I know we gained 27 yards in this play. That's partly because they suck and they're not trying hard. You certainly didn't help out because you missed your block completely. And, oh, by the way, what direction are you going here? I saw God, and there, there were things in this game where you're like, that's not part of that play, but all right. So – Yes, in that sense, yes. He can read them the riot act. He can say, guys, I, 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 I'm hesitant to flip out about a win this lopsided, but we all know, guys, based on the stuff we've worked so hard to correct heading into this game, that you left a lot on the field. I mean, when was the last time Florida State played a half where the score is 24-3 to and they've got a chance. They should be a 40-something to nothing. Correct. I mean, it, the game should – Georgia Tech shouldn't have a point based on their yards or lack thereof, <laughs> plays or lack thereof. Yeah, they had more yards than, or more points than yards yeah. when they kicked the field goal. It's crazy. Three to two. Right. So the, you could have walked into that halftime and said reasonably so. 
this should be I, okay. Let's let's 30, 32, 35 to nothing. I, mean, I think I went yeah, going back. Fair. I think that's yeah. what I marked on my sheet. It's thirty-five to nothing. Yes. So, okay. Kids aren't perfect. People make mistakes. Things happen. Other guys are on scholarship. Ball takes funny bounces. However you want to say it, you give them a little flack. But man, there's a lot to circle. There's a lot to redline. There's a lot to say. You know, the premise is solid here, but we got to tighten up the writing. I like where you're going with this, but this is lazy and sloppy. We got to do better. I didn't expect to have to redline so many of these elements on the first draft. This this, this is a bit much. So I, I we'll see if Florida State can get that button up. Sometimes, admittedly, it is the competition. Sometimes you can't escape a sleepy nooner against a team begging to lay down and doesn't want to be there. Sometimes your focus wanes when you see their focus is non-existent. Sometimes you need a Miami across from you to tighten it up, to ratchet it up. And I know fans always like to say, oh, well, it shouldn't be that way. You only get 12 of these. You ought to be focused all 12. That's not the way it works. You've watched enough college football to know that even the best teams have afternoons where you're wondering, what is this? What is going on here? Where's the focus? Where's the intensity? Where's the attention to detail? That's true, too. Georgia's had several games that way this year. You know, you watch them at the start of the second half against Florida. Out of nowhere, that's a game because you're half-stepping. Give up a couple big plays. Bulldog Falcons are saying 28-3 again? 28-3 again? <laughs> but then they then they finished the game. They, they did. Yeah. They did. It went down, executed, very importantly, two important drives and said, that's it, that's all. Thanks for playing. Good on you for fighting. Yeah, I, I, I really did wrestle with this. Um, Saturday night and Sunday morning, and again this morning going over it. I really did. I kind of I, – I, I could feel me getting angry watching that game and breaking down details and frame by framing that thing in the rewatch and going, what is he doing? That is the – you know. And, you know, there's – if you do that, Jordan misses some throws. Uh, that's four games in a row where that's been a trend – but he's also made some great plays and some big th- – I do think it's interesting, and I'll just posit this. I think that the, the argument amongst fans or the frustration that fans feel right now with Florida State primarily has to do with the red zone, okay? Well, on that note, I'm going to say two things. First of all, congratulations, Ryan Fitzgerald. We've seemed to have figured some things out. We're kicking the football with what for, with confidence, with belief that it's going to go through the uprights. There's real form there. There is authority. The sound of the ball coming off his foot. Everything seems resolved. Knocked on wood. Not saying he won't miss some kicks down the line. Saying it won't be for the same reasons. He's no longer void of that confidence. You, You know, you were watching that kid. You're like, oh, no. That kid is lost, and I hate seeing that because I've been there on a tee box, and that's the worst feeling in the world. It's awful. You're like, oh, gosh, I'm going to hit a car here. I got zero chance. It's the worst feeling, and I don't have a camera on me. So, I again, I felt for him during that stretch, but it looks like whatever he had to do, maybe reverting back to his old technique, whatever it was, seems to be the case, that seems to have been working good. So that's a red zone issue you may have resolved. Like, not having to call plays 
without the option of kicking a field goal is nice. Like, in the past, the last few games, you've come into the red zone knowing it's four-down territory. I can't roll that kid out here. And that changes everything about your play calling. It's not ideal. It puts undue pressure on everybody involved. So I like to think that that's resolved. And the only thing I want to point out, the other thing that may solve some of these red zone issues, at least in my opinion, is I do believe in certain games, this not being one of them this last week, this past Saturday against Georgia Tech, that they make decisions going in. We are not going to run Jordan Travis. We're just not going to run him. We're not going to call runs for him. We're going to tell him to try to avoid running if at all possible. We're going to tell him to throw it away if he has to. But let's not run. Well, if you want to change the math in the red zone, you run your quarterback. There's other things you could do, but you run your quarterback. He didn't run at all in the red zone. Now, I would dare say on the road against Miami, if you're trying to cash it in and you don't want to have to run jet sweeps and flea flickers in the red zone, then you better run your quarterback because your tight ends aren't great anyhow. So some of the other things you can do are mitigated. So you you got to run your quarterback. And I think they will against Miami, just like I think that, you know, we knew they would run him against Clemson. They knew they'd run him in certain situations. They've tried to mitigate some of this. A lot of these games, I don't think they're always tempted to run him. I would run him this Saturday if I needed to in the red zone, certainly. The first touchdown against Clemson. Right. You ran the quarterback. Well, you, and that's yeah. called. It's beautiful. Yes. It's well done. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. They ran the quarterback. I think you can do that here, and I think they choose certain games to do it or not. I, that's one I would do it. Obviously, you're on the road against Miami. Take the crowd out of it. It's a huge week. It's a big week. It's a big week, but I think they're going to go play well. I think they got what the doctor ordered. They got back in the wind column, and they were sloppy. They have a lot to critique, a lot to fix, a lot to focus on, and you got an arch rival. You got an arch rival whom you loathe. They hate you. You hate them. There's no guesswork here. We don't have to tiptoe around it. Screw Miami. Screw them eternally. If you can beat their ass senseless, you need to do it. They're reeling. Knock them out. Don't let them get to the later rounds. Knock them out. We're trying to win recruiting wars. Mike, this, this, here's your chance. Go down there and beat that team like a drum. They got nothing. They look like bums. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply jeff camper 93.3 real talk radio and war chant tv great to be with you Hey, bounce back week, by the way, as an aside, a little bounce back week. I was just checking the sheet. I like R.E.M. as much as the next guy, Tom. <laughs> you all right in there? The buttons will respond These someday. buttons. They will. 6-3-1 uh, and one on Redemption Thursday for me over the weekend, and that includes tall boys coming my way from T. Lizzie. Woo! Uh, 
Covered by a point there, Michigan yeah, State. I'll take it. I will Come take on, it. Michigan. Finish strong. What are we doing? Six, three, and one is back in the winner's circle. By the way, in my in the mutual other pool that we're in, did you see I went 19 and four? Yes, I did. A little 19 and four action. For that derriere. I would like to note before I read the, the contributions, thank you. Woo! Uh, that the NFL four pick money line parlay cashed again. Did it? Oh my goodness! Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know who who made me sweat? Atlanta. Atlanta tried to give that away on that crazy PJ Walker touchdown. I almost lost because of them. I feel like Jesse in Breaking Bad. He can't keep getting away with this. So just so people know. It was a plus 167 payout. I had Eagles, Cowboys, Falcons, Bills. So the, those, bill, the Bills was the easiest leg of that one. That was easy to predict. Yeah, but even that game got weird. Nice. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know. I thought the Cowboys would kill the Bears, and they did. And so I, I felt pretty good. The, uh, the, the, I was nervous about Atlanta the whole damn day. I'm like, what are we doing here, Atlanta? Let's go. You're gonna. I, it's my discovery, guys, in these four-pick money line parlay victories that I've amassed this season. It, I have learned that you one leg of the money line is always going to be extremely difficult. There's going to be somebody screwing up the works, especially if you're trying to bank on uh, – a team that's not very good to do what they're supposed to do, so that you're going to have a problem with that situation. Um, but that said, anyhow, that was just nice. All right, let's go through here. I want to catch up, folks. We're jumping on in here. It's Miami Woo! week. I would imagine it's going to be a busy week, and I don't want to fall behind here. Noel Kev, thanks as always, buddy. He writes, Noel's going to show up. Hammer Miami going to be a Xbox headset row at the Red Solo Cup kind of day. I like it. So that's a reference to the post-game show mm-hmm. in which I showed my Halloween costume from 13 years ago. <laughs> and I dressed up as a coach. I yeah, had the headset. And then the uh, the play sheet I had was a rundown from the 1270 pregame show. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. Uh, Mark, thank you. Love the show. You guys make, you guys make my uh, work day a breeze. Woo! Go Knowles beats scum. I'll be wearing my sucks to be you t-shirt on Saturday under my work uniform. Oh, you got to work on Saturday, Mark? All right. At least you're hanging in there, buddy. This is a good one. Troy, I hope you're doing well, man. Woo! Thank you, Jeff and Tom and everyone for keeping me entertained during this hospital trip. Heading home later today. And it's always Go Knowles. You're damn right, Troy. That's good to hear. Uh, good, good, good. Glad you're headed home. Glad you're out of the hospital. And finally, Z-Chan. Writes, good day, gents. D-Rob had some good insight last night. Basically, we don't have the players to line up and run the ball when they know we are running the ball. Makes sense to me, by the way. Beat scum. Okay, so he's talking, I didn't watch last Woo! night. No offense to those guys. I had family in town. We had a big dinner. I didn't see it. I'll have to go back and watch. I love D-Rob's commentary. Love Ira. He was and not pleased in the watch-along, D-Rob. Well, I, I think he's – well, I, I, can't, I don't want to speak for him. I can understand that. I wasn't in love, like I said, with first blush of this game with a lot of uh, mistakes and lack of execution and really kind of just dumb football, just dumb, dumb football. Non-football stuff like substitution issues that look like the Willie days. Which that is exactly what I'm talking about. I'm glad he pointed that out. That can't happen off of a bye. That bothers me. That that really frustrates me. But, all right, look, I don't want to again, I don't want to relitigate this. It's interesting, and I'm not surprised to hear him say that. He's looking at it as a former player going, man – <laughs> and somebody who's coached. I mean, he gets it. Well, and I'm going to tell you now, and this is the best part, is that I think we can say this. I think that if you were to charge Coach Norvell with the task of sitting down 
with D-Rob or anybody who knows the game to that level and say, all right, let's talk about this. He would ha- he would own that. He would say, that's that can't happen. we got to clean that up. It's not good. And like, he basically said as much. He knows they just I mean, they it's two sloppy. timeouts inside the 20-yard line. They played sloppy. And it cost you at the end of the half. Otherwise, that sack is not a drive killer. You call a timeout and yeah. you dust yourself off no, and maybe no. you score a touchdown. They, they did. They did. They played sloppy, and that's the ammunition that you hope they need in a lopsided victory to regain their attention and say, guys, against better teams, and that Georgia Tech team was not equipped to fight. I know that it's very easy to go back and look at some of the earlier Georgia Tech games this year and say, well, see, here they fought and here they did that. Man, circumstances, when you play somebody, matters. When you lose your starting quarterback and the luster is off the interim coach because you just lost a game that was deplorable, and that, that game against Virginia was, was set football back a long ways. And you're practicing against the backup every day during the week and knowing that he can't do anything. Anything. Yeah, yeah. Then you hit the field without a sense of urgency or belief, and you look like that. You look like that team. That's look, Let's just get this over with. Let's, let's get that clock a-running. Let's go. So it's not the same in games where they played much better. I understand we can do this with anybody, and I often do. That's the point. When you go through rankings, a lot of times you're like, well, that team was a lot different in Week 3 than they are in Week 7. Well, I mean, we know this. Well, sure, but you know, this is where you said two different teams, Power 5 teams, where there were blowout results. But the Boston College game looked very different than the Georgia Tech game. Right. If you watch it. Now, in a stat book, you go and look at the box score from Florida State-Georgia Tech if you didn't watch it at all on Sunday, and you go, oh, my God. Outright domination. That's unbelievable. But if you watch the game, you see the struggles. Against BC, that was an, uh, that was a professional day, a professional effort. Clock in, clock out, be intense, and be done. Yep. Be done with it. Tech was in the middle. Otherwise, you could have played your younger players and backups for a much longer stretch of this game. They hardly got in. Well, we did it. We played a lot of guys in the fourth quarter. In the fourth, but we I played mean, a lot you of guys could have had a half quarter. of these yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was going to say, we did play a lot of guys in the fourth quarter. I was happy about that. Uh, you could have. You could I I would. You could have gotten a half out of Tate, maybe a little bit of Duffy, you know that kind of stuff. That's mm-hmm. where I got frustrated. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, I I know that there's left uh, that there's some meat left on the bone there, but I, I again, I think it's fair to point it all out. It's fair to criticize it. It's also fair to acknowledge that it's a different standard, and that's a good thing that we're holding them to a different standard now because we think enough of the growth and the job that he's done in flipping the culture and all that other stuff. To believe to be that you should be held to a higher standard of execution, you should be, especially when you've hyper focused on it yourself in your own comments before, or after games, during the weeks of practice. He's talked a lot about that because he knows what we are talking about here. He knows that in order for them to take the next big step, they're going to have to play better in situations. They're going to have to start doing that. You can't just talk about it all the time. You got to start doing that now. You know, if you want to talk about the big picture of the ACC which is not a good league, and you want to talk about the fact that, hey, I watched and I correctly predicted Notre Dame would go up there and beat Syracuse handily because I don't think Syracuse is any good. I don't. I <laughs> this don't is about th- when you get them as well. This is a yeah, good time. Well, they're injured, you know. but they were getting beat before the injury. They weren't going to win that game. But three weeks ago they would have had a, would have had a belief taking the field for an 8 p.m. kick well, I know. in the carrier. Again home. with this. 8 p.m. kick. Again with this. Yeah. We're not going to worry about that. It's Miami week. Uh, so, bottom line is, I, I you you ought to go up and beat Syracuse. They're a shell of what they were earlier in the year. I don't think they're a very good team. Now they're injured. So, we'll see what happens. Uh, 
you look at Miami, I just got done talking about what I think ought to happen for Florida State this weekend against Miami. I understand rivalry games. Anything can happen, especially if you don't execute the red no, zone. And their front seven's good. Yeah. Clemson's front seven is supposed to be good, too. I'm not worried about that. Run the ball on their ass. Now, from there, you look at, obviously, Louisiana Lafayette, who lost again this weekend. They're not any good. And Florida, I, I mean, they're kicking people off the team right now. There's all kinds of good things happening at the University of Florida that uh, involve uh, celebrating for Florida State. Now, we'll see that game. Weeks and weeks from now, we'll tackle it when we get to it. They may look like a different team by then, too. So, right now, you come out the box against Georgia Tech after the bye. You get a lopsided win. You don't look great doing it, but you get the win, and the numbers are all in your favor, and that's great. Now, you've got something to at least channel here, get focused on, go get this win. I said 5-0 and or 4-1 and when we came out of the Clemson game. There's no reason, based on what we're seeing from the ACC and what we think this team can be as they get healthier, that Florida State can't accomplish those goals. Those are realistic goals. Those are fair-minded goals. And those are things that, if you're buttoned up, you should be able to accomplish. You win this weekend, and you're staring keg stands at the corner pocket in the face. I mean, that's it. You're staring it in the face. It's like if you had beaten NC State, you're looking at an inside track to the Atlantic Division and playing in the ACC Championship. We weren't able to do that, but if you finish the job this week, get that rivalry win down there, you are staring at 5-0. and to finish the season. I'm kind of curious, by the way, this weekend. I, there's a part of me that I didn't look at it yet this morning. Normally I do. Um, it's a weird week with Halloween and all that. Happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, what's that Notre Dame-Clemson line? I'll have to check it during the break. That should be a fun game. Yeah, interesting. Five, three and a half Clemson, sorry. Mm. Three and a half. Okay, okay. Well, that's that's a <laughs> you held. You did hold up a five. What was <laughs> I think a director was, was signaling, like, like, look at me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. This week is always the longest week of the year for me, meaning the the week you play Miami. You're I, a different dude on a Miami I'm Saturday. I'm ready to go. It's going to be an interesting pregame show. Come on, man. Come on, boys. We got to get right here. Let's get Let's clean it up. Let's clean it up. This could be a beatdown. You know, when there's blood in the water. Oh, I get excited, especially in this game. I think that's the slogan for this week. Let's clean it up, but you got to do it in your southern voice. <laughs> old man southern voice. I'll get I'll get my old man southern voice ready for the week. It's not ready on a Monday. It's it's not. Clean there. it up. Yeah. Oh, I'll I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll get the pacing and everything. <laughs> I'll I'll stare off in the distance and dream of Florida State wins of uh, yesteryear when they did clean it up. A stole. That old man is saying it's unseasonably warm right now. <laughs> Goodness, we could yeah. use the rain. Yeah, yeah. We, this is not what I anticipated. Yeah, this is. Yeah, I need a little. I need a little something better than that. When I walked out this morning, I woke up. So I, you know, I get up early. Everybody knows that. Blah blah blah. But for no reason, I woke up at four fifteen this morning. No reason. That's that's early for me. It's Miami week. That's why. That's what it is. I was locked in, Tom, ready to go. I couldn't sleep. I was restless, staring at the ceiling. This is not what I anticipated. No. And I said to uh, I said to my wife, I said, I'm getting up. I can't do it. She was like, Well, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> I'm sleeping. <laughs> but I had been tossing and turning. Hey, hon, I'm getting up. Thanks. Great. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Would, would you like me to wake you up? <laughs> like, hey, what kind of question is that? It's Jeff Cambridge, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Auburn fires their coach, Brian Harson out after less than two seasons. It's now fairly standard. <laughs> Remember, like we watched it. We helped usher in a new time. 
Oh, you don't get three seasons. No, no, not anymore. I remember back in the day, you got one full recruiting cycle, one you know, four years. You got to have your own players, all of that talk for a long time. Early on in my career uh, covering college football, most guys got like four to five. Kind of understood that in a lot of places it was five, five. Imagine now, imagine hiring a guy and be like, "You get five full." Nobody's saying that, especially now with the transfer portal. No, no, not anymore. That's it. There ain't no five full out there. It's hard to promise anybody three. Now, that could be a mistake. That could be a mistake. It depends on the reasoning. Depends on the reasoning. I know that the whole Auburn situation is a blank show. Uh, it has been for, for a long time. It's amazing Gus even won a little bit. Well, I don't think much of him either. But well, yeah, for two but reasons. I, I understand. For two reasons. Yeah, Gus and yeah, then the situation. Yeah. Um, I love that. So he finishes 9-12 and 12 there. They're 3-5. and five. Looks like they may not be heading to a bowl for the first time since 2012. Quote, Auburn University has decided to make a change in the leadership of Auburn University football. <laughs> President Christopher Roberts made the decision after a thorough review and evaluation of all aspects of the football program, which is to say the very rich and very loud and influential alumni called him and said, make a change now or I'm pulling my money. That's how that reads. I like to translate on the show. Three wins currently. The remaining schedule, Mississippi State on the road. Texas A&M comes down to the Plains. Western Kentucky. A lot of dysfunction on the field at the same time there. Western Kentucky. I mean, that's not a decided thing. No, it's they'll beat a... Western Kentucky's ass. And then, of course, the Iron Bowl. In, in Tuscaloosa, if that matters this year. Two years ago, the school decided to pay a $21.7 million buyout in order to fire Gus Malzahn, who had gone 68-34 and 34 in eight years. Auburn was coming off a 6-7 and seven season when Harson's status was thrown into limbo this past February after the university launched an investigation into his handling of the program, whatever that means. The inquiry came after a number of players and coaches left during the offseason. Auburn ultimately uh, cleared Harson, who later said, that's a personal attack and you're not going to get me to quit. I want my money. He didn't say that, but he did say that. Today he got it. Today is a kiss-my-ass-on-main-street moment for a man who is 45 years old. Came to Auburn on a six-year, $31.5 million deal after seven seasons at Boise State. So uh, it is suffice to say that Mr. Harson will be paid handsomely to, if he'd like, go sit on the beach and watch others toil. 20 hours a day every day. Dude's just kicking open your door to sit down and tell you how to call plays, how to recruit. I mean. Why are you not wearing your boots? It's a toughie. They were a gift. It's a toughie. Speaking of toughies, all of those rumors before the Texas A&M loss this week and another home loss for Jimbo. Uh, this one comes late. That looked like quit watch for the defense. That's what that looked like. To me. They did not care to stop the run all night. They didn't care to. Ole Miss runs it well, but uh, 31-28 your final there. That is both a, things can be true. That, that true. was an alarmingly bad performance. So that game ends up being one that uh, now sends them yet into another longer discussion about: uh, Are we going to wait out this recruiting class? How many of these guys are going to leave us if we leave him, or do we want to cut that check? If you're Jimbo, you sit back. You know, it'd be funny if I were Jimbo today. Whatever you can do that is not 
for cause, you know, like when you get this situation where running a little late today, I got got a flat tire, I'm going to be late to work. Nothing I can do about it. Suddenly he's driving a burnt orange vehicle. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, man, just imagine, like in that situation, um, you 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 are staring at the opportunity to make eighty something million dollars, and all the pain goes away. It's like your brain on a long run. We could just stop running. Your brain says. Your brain sends signals over and over again, and you have to tell your brain, "Shut up! We're at least running to that garbage can at the end of the street." And that's how you mitigate Stand the pain. Stand down. You're like, I'm going to get to that garbage can. Then you get there, and the brain's like, "We really should stop this. This sucks." My calves are burning. We're out of breath. The house is right over there. You take a right here instead of a left. We could be back to the house in no time. We have a huge television. We feel like the chunky guy from the Values commercial who drops to his <laughs> knees. <laughs> but then you said, oh, shut up, brain. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to finish these two miles. <laughs> Brain's like, this is... Whose idea was this? You remember that commercial? Yeah, the dude's knees are they're already all, bleeding. They're sweeping up around yeah. it. Yeah, yeah his yeah. knees are already bleeding, Which, and then he yeah. celebrates by times? dropping to them. Ah, uh, sir. Plus, I wondered how many times have you fallen on this run? Bloody knee and all. How many times did you get back up? It looks like it's the next day too. Like it's not even like he ran through the night. It's morning. Anyhow, I do, I mean, that's a lot of money. It's funny how that works, but it's it's the kiss my ass on Main Street thing. We started that years and years ago. I, there's very few professions where this is the case, where you can fail miserably, have lofty goals, be, be king of the hill for a moment, be as well thought of as anybody in a business, to be heralded on high, to be trotted out there as a savior, and then fail miserably and get paid handsomely to go away and not coach anymore, not work. It's the greatest deal in the world if you can get it. Now, you have to be willing to sacrifice an awful lot, like your marriage, like being a dad, like any number of things. It can be tough, right? You're not there. You're not there. And I'm not personally attacking him. I'm saying look around the country. Look at how these college coaches, how many times we watch this play out. You've got to go through a personal hell to arrive at that place. And now with the portal and transfer rules, yeah. I mean, there really is never but, a break. But if you can get there, if you can ascend, if you can find a way to stomach all the loss in your personal life and get that paycheck, get that long-term deal, the exit's nice. The exit's more than a watch. The exit's really nice. It's several beach houses. It's I'm in the south of France. I'm, I'm wherever I want to be. For the rest of my life, I'm doing anything I want to do. And there was a time where I remember college coaches. I remember when Steve Spurrier got paid a million dollars. It was considered the biggest deal ever. Look at this. They're paying a college coach a million dollars. What has this What has this come to? Bobby Bowden is going to get over $2 million for the first time. Like, I mean, yeah. I re- those, were, those were your conversations. And then Will Muschamp was the first million-dollar coordinator. I remember that. I'm old enough to remember that yeah. and how absurd that was thought to be. A, a coordinator? For a defensive coordinator. I remember Mickey Andrews, who was already really well established and at times fielding the most dominant defenses in any particular season that anybody had ever seen. And he was getting 200 grand. And, and there were times where they weren't even multi year deals. Like, we'll see about you at the end of this year. Mickey Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure. 
Show us one more year. Maybe we'll give you a multi-year deal. Not so sure. Yeah, nowadays you see it all over the way. I mean, hell, you got guys that are way down the rung on the ladder that are making close to a million dollars in some places. Um, it's a it's a toughie. Old Dad writes, I hear Auburn is also paying Bobby Bonilla $1.2 million every year as well. Well played, sir. Oh, well played. So that number for Florida State was a lofty one to start the week here as we see the spread, Florida yes. State-Miami. We're not accustomed to seeing a number uh, of that size, but, I mean, given the way both teams played, I it really is hard to see, uh, again, Reiterating what we said to start the show today, if you go down there and you're locked in and you're focused and you're buttoned up and you cash in opportunities early in a game, I do believe all uh, bias aside, just looking at the two programs, I think Miami fans will tell you this too. I think a lot of Miami fans, and I actually have a few friends that are Miami fans, they're very nervous about this game. This is all building towards an ugly moment. It's all about their offense. That's what it well, is. Oh, it's a mess. Yeah. It is just a mess. And, you know, I don't think Miami's going to quit. It's Florida State Miami week. He's a former Kane. He's going to incite all of the glorious past for them, and they're going to argue. You know, he'll have them locked in. I mean, in a way, this is their season. You know, if but I But he's were... also tight in these games, too. So they could come out and play timid. Beyond the fact that they're not very good offensively, they could be timid. And that's where if you come down loose and pissed off, from getting screamed at all week in practice. That's the time. That's that's nice. That's why the number's over a touchdown on the road. Yeah, and I will say that one of the most encouraging aspects of playing poorly or sloppily is a better way of saying it, playing sloppily through uh, situations and getting a win to this extent and, and taking those numbers on the ground and all of that, those results, period, and grouping them with the other offensive performances that you've seen this year, one thing is for certain about Florida State. This offense has elevated to a place now where you can have legitimate expectations any given week to put up pretty good numbers. I mean, they're going to they show up. They do move the football. Oh, they're explosive. They, well, in this game was explosive plays. This this was a lot about explosive plays. And they're also again, I think game plan wise, I say it every week, game plan wise, I'm always very impressed. The game plan here was good. It was fine. They game plan very well. They just shoot themselves in the foot with mistakes and red zone errors. Now, there are certain things they cannot do in the red zone. They do not have a dominant offensive line. They are not going to line up against numbers and be able to bully teams inside the 10. But they, you, they don't do that well. You don't need the end around against Georgia Tech, though, right? Of course you do That's don't. the worst call of the game on second down. That's the one. Well, and I, I, I've named several other calls in the red zone that they've had over the last several weeks that infuriate all of us. I will say that it's not as simple as just line up and run it. I'm not saying that. That's why I said you have to incorporate the quarterback's legs in the red zone against teams that you don't think you can line up and push off the ball. And there aren't too many teams that Florida State is equipped to just line up and push off the ball in a condensed area. So, you know, that it, that's hard for good teams to do. There aren't that many teams that do that well, period. You see it in the NFL all the time. You see teams get stuffed on third and one, fourth and one all the time. Um, so it's hard to move those big bodies. I'm not telling you you should just line up and magically have success. But you don't have to be cute, and I do think 
I have no problem with running the Wildcat. You just got to execute it better. You're correct. I got no problem with running the Wildcat. You just got to execute it better. I agree. There's power to that. There's a lot of power to that. In fact, I understand that's one of the things that you can do to offset your inability to block it up normal. But I'm fine with that. Not against Georgia Tech. You don't need it. You don't need it. You shouldn't. But I think you can run, and again, I would guess they will this weekend if they get in these situations, understanding that Miami has struggled to put points on the board. So any points that you can get in the red zone early in a game, you're creating a mountain for Miami that they haven't shown the ability to overcome or or climb. So so you you gotta you gotta you know I would run Jordan in those situations as they did against Clemson. You know you earmark these games where you're like hmm. These opportunities, we got to cash these in more than we do in some cases because we're going to have more of them and others and all that good stuff. Hour number two, fourth coming. Stay with us. Chef Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.